Welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, I uh, realize it's been a little while since um, we've released an episode, but uh, back for today at least, um, and hopefully we'll uh, try to get these out a little bit more uh, regularly, but... uh, as uh, you're aware, I've been working through uh, some schooling and everything's like that, and so trying to uh, to keep up uh, with this in the meantime. But did want to uh, come back today and continue on our series through several different doctrines. Um, we recently talked about the gospel. We talked about the doctrine of sin. And now I'd like to talk uh, today about the doctrine of the church uh, or ecclesiology. And uh, again, my goal in these um, talks is not to be comprehensive, uh, but maybe just kind of hit on a few points of interest um, and maybe touch on a couple ways in which that relates to our our current culture. Um, But in order to understand what a church is, is supposed to do, we need to go back to our source of authority, which is the Bible. And if there's anything that's apparent about the state of the church today in our country, it is that it has become uh, increasingly distracted from its mission. Uh, A.W. Tozer in The Knowledge of the Holy talks about the loss of the concept of majesty in the church, and he says this, quote, "...this loss of the concept of majesty has come just when the forces of religion are making dramatic gains and the churches are more prosperous than at any time within the past several hundred years. But the alarming thing is that our gains are mostly external and our losses wholly internal, and since it is the quality of our religion that is affected by internal conditions, it may be that our supposed gains are but losses spread over a wider field." Uh, End quote. Tozer observes that even in his own day, uh, the difference between the internal pursuits and the external pursuits uh, have have a pretty uh, significant uh, gap between them. The uh, external pursuits seem to be making great gains. The church externally, uh, and, and of course we're using the word church in the broadest way possible in this context, but the church is seeming to be making great external gains and then the internal pursuits are, are languishing. And, and I think that uh, this is true today and even more so. Uh, the church has forgotten what it's about. Uh, the church has become distracted. <clears throat> we could point to any number of illustrations uh, of, of, uh, of the church and of the distractions that have come into our current culture. Um, and I, I just want to, before I do that, maybe point out a couple of ditches that we should be avoiding Uh, On the one hand, we could mistakenly believe that our 21st century church model is the only model and that we are the only right ones uh, practicing uh, church the way that it's supposed to be practiced. And I would suggest uh, to us that we need to give some room for contextualization uh, so long as we're still holding to biblical principles. Probably one of the uh, clearest places to see where this can, uh, where we can fall into this ditch, is in a missionary context. Uh, when a missionary goes to another country, oftentimes they will Americanize the natives instead of evangelizing them. Um, 
churches in other countries should look like the Bible, but they should not uh, carry over all of our American cultural baggage uh, into those contexts. There is uh, a certain amount of room that that needs to to be had there um, in uh, in in other cultures and other contexts. And so we want to avoid kind of going on the far end uh, that ditch. On the other hand, we want to avoid the idea that anything goes in church worship as long as it hasn't been prescribed to us in the Bible. I used the word contextualization a moment ago, and we certainly do want to contextualize, but that word can be abused to allow anything uh, to to go into a church worship service or the mission of the church. Um, we need to carefully look at Scripture and carefully look at the Bible and see how that um, uh, how, how we're prescribed to have church, church worship in our current context. Um, we certainly want to identify and avoid the alarming trends that are present uh, in, in the modern church. Uh, probably the most important thing that I could say in regard to uh, the church, and probably specifically church worship uh, and how a church should run is that you don't have the option to choose what your church will be about. Um, I'm concerned at the trend to give our churches visions and missions that look nothing like the biblical vision and mission, as if we had the option to just choose this this buffet was before us and we could choose, I want my church to be about this, or I want my church to be about that, and I want this to be our mission, I want that to be our vision, I want this to be our purpose. Um, this is this is not what we're to do as believers when we are putting together uh, or planting a church. Um, and as attractive as uh, we may think that some of these things are, uh, we don't have the option to make our church the the soup kitchen church, uh, right? Or or the the entertainment church, or the fair trade church, or or the the gardening church. And and, and there are churches that are seeking to define themselves around these kinds of things. Um, now, don't mistake the point. A church may find participating in some of these things helpful. We're certainly not saying we, we shouldn't minister to those uh, who who are are hungry. Um, so there may be an appropriate, uh, in fact, compelling reason to engage in a soup kitchen ministry, those kinds of things. However, it is very strange indeed to reinterpret the mission of the church to be about some specific social cause or to turn the worship service into an entertainment session. Uh, and, and I would just suggest uh, Mark 14, verses 3 through 9, is a key text in this regard. Uh, in that passage, Mary comes up to Jesus with an alabaster flask of expensive ointment. She breaks the flask and pours it over Jesus' head. She's criticized because she could have sold the ointment for roughly a year's wages, which is a substantial amount of money, and then given that money to the poor. So here you have uh, this woman. She walks up to Jesus. She dumps a year's worth of money on his head, and it's gone in a moment. Uh, but, but instead of rejecting her, Jesus actually accepts her worship, and he says this uh, in, in Mark 14, uh, 6 through 9. Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. 
And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Jonathan Lehman comments on this passage, and uh, I want to read uh, his quote here. He says this, quote, Again, our concern in all of this is that the evangelical churches have increasingly allowed the world to define which problems need to be solved, which salvation needs to be gained. It does not take supernatural, born-again, new creation eyes of faith to see that death is a problem or AIDS, poverty, sex trafficking, and every other horrible consequence of the fall. Eyes of flesh can see problems quite well, uh, can see such problems quite well, which is precisely why they become the pet projects of Hollywood stars and global intergovernmental organizations. And these are good projects for Christians to undertake together with the world. On the other hand, it does take supernatural new creation eyes of faith to see what it means to fall short of God's glory and why this is more significant than death, which is why proclaiming the gospel is the unique mandate of the church and its uppermost priority, end quote. The Bible has already defined for us what the greatest problem is that is facing humanity. Uh, And it has given us a solution to that. And I'm convinced that we have abandoned that mission. And speaking again, broadly speaking of the church, we we have abandoned that mission because we don't believe it anymore. We, We don't believe, the church in America does not believe that the gospel and God's wrath against sin is the uh, is the greatest problem that we face. The church in America believes that it's something else, whether it be you know uh, the things that Lehman mentions, you know, AIDS, poverty, sex trafficking, or whatever else uh, you, you want to fill in the blank. There, we're not saying we're not denying that those are problems. Those are problems. Um, however, we are saying that a church has already been given its marching orders. Uh, it has been given its role and its purpose, and we ought not get distracted off of that. A church can participate and should participate in helping minister to the physical needs of people, but we should not do that at the expense of ministering to the spiritual needs. Um so let's maybe just hit on a couple things um, regarding um, ecclesiology, and then I'll kind of come back around to this idea of what the church should be doing again. I'll start by reading our doctrinal statement uh, as a church, which says this, we believe the church or the body of Christ is composed of all believers saved between Pentecost and the rapture and is commanded to observe the symbolic ordinances of baptism and communion. We believe baptism is a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and is to be performed following salvation. We believe the local church is a community of baptized believers confined to a particular geographic assembly. We believe in the autonomy of the local church, meaning that with Jesus as its head, the church is free from any religious or governmental hierarchy. So we mentioned the local church in this statement. Uh, The local church, uh, again, a specific church, uh, specific location. So in Revelation 2, you have Jesus addressing the distinct churches, uh, he, he distinguishes that one church has lost its first love and another church has held to the teaching of Balaam. And so he, he makes distinctions between the churches. There, there are different churches. There's this one, there's that one. Then in Ephesians 5.25, Paul references the fact that Jesus loves the church and gave himself up for it. And, and of course, not just the Ephesian church, 
but the universal church. Uh, so both aspects can be said of the church. There is the local aspect. There are specific churches. This church is not this church. You know, it's it's not that church. There there are distinctions there, uh, and yet there also is the universal aspect uh, to to the churches um, as as a whole. <clears throat> Since Jesus gave himself up for the church, as we just mentioned a moment ago. He is the head, and there is no higher authority other than Christ. And so we don't have to submit to any religious or governmental hierarchy. Uh, now, we should—this uh, is we're not calling for rebellion here. We should submit to the government in every area that we can. Uh, but if the government does compel us to violate biblical principles, then, of course, we're to follow the pattern of the apostles who obeyed God rather than men. Uh, since this is true, uh, that is to say, since we submit to no other hierarchy, and since Jesus is the head, this also means that the pastor himself does not exercise any kind of intrinsic authority in the church member's life. The pastor is not the shepherd, rather he is the under-shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd, uh, and of course, Paul's admonition in 1 Peter 5 is relevant, verses 1 through 4, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So uh, Peter is writing to um, elders on how they are to shepherd the flock of God that is the local church. And he uh, specifically notes that Christ is the chief shepherd, uh, which means that pastors, elders are not. Uh, and so um, the pastor has the primary responsibility uh, of, of prayer and the ministry of, of the word and to shepherd those people with, with the word. Uh, he don't, does not have uh, an a, um, ultimate authority over them. The pastor's authority only extends over the people insofar as to say, thus saith the Lord, and he can go no further uh, than that. Uh, but, the, but the pastor, his responsibility primarily, prayer and ministry of the word, he is accountable to the chief shepherd on that, so he himself will be accountable. Acts 2, 6 through 4, and when the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So in this text, you have the deacons being chosen. They are to help the pastors slash elders, uh, which I would suggest is the same office. Uh, they're, they're to help them to do that primary task. Pastors are not to be CEOs or facilitators. They are to, vote, to devote themselves to prayer and the word. Uh, this doesn't mean that a pastor cannot uh, do any kind of other labor. Uh, he, he, he should minister to the church in, in other ways, and yet he should not get distracted uh, off of his main task of study of the word, ministry of the word, discipleship, uh, evangelism, uh, prayer. Uh, all of these things are, are directly connected to the word of God. 
And so this really brings us kind of a little bit closer to how we started the podcast today. What is a church to be doing? And this is answered in part by this text in Acts that we just saw. At least it tells us what the pastor is supposed to do. And if the pastor is supposed to be about prayer and the ministry of the word, then that tells us something about the direction of, of the church. If a pastor is supposed to dedicate himself to prayer and to the Bible, then the, the church is to also be about those things. And of course, the Great Commission hits on this directly in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which says, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations.'" baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The church is basically one large rescue operation in the world. The church is not to be about fighting climate change, whatever your view is on that particular issue. The church is not to be about those kinds of things. The church is a rescue operation to save people from the pits of hell. And and even if, you know, we were able to have uh, a voice that was heard around the world um, and, and we, we were to be given that platform and we were to moralize the culture, uh, that in itself is insufficient. I mean, what good is it if we moralize the culture and we have a good society and yet everyone is dying and going to hell still. The moral our, our moral depravity is the reason we go to hell, but but resolving that at least in a worldly temporal sense is not the goal of the church. It is to evangelize them. It is to evangelize people and of course that will lead to uh, better moral lives, but uh, it is to evangelize them so that uh, they can be uh, saved. This is why Missions is so central to the church's task. As Piper says, missions exist because worship doesn't. Uh, The church exists to bring glory to God by making disciples, anything else, and it isn't a church. Now, if you want to do something else, we live in a free country, and you can do that, but don't call yourself a church. Uh, The church is to be focusing on prayer, ministry of the word, discipleship, evangelism. The gospel needs to be central to the mission of the church. We may be able to use uh, other um, means to bring the gospel to people. We may be able to do that in a soup kitchen. We may be able to do that uh, as we minister to financial needs, and we should do those things. Uh, But if we only minister to physical needs and forget the gospel, then we have become distracted from our mission, and we're no longer a church. Uh, Let's continue to focus on the Word and continue to point others to Christ. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.